Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Pearson guides it to the neutral zone. Here's JT Miller, rink wide right. Henderson sends it in front. Score! Pearson finishes it off. Breaks and skates top of the left circle. Sets up Ekman Larson. Put it in front, they score! Oliver Ekman Larson gets his second assist of the day. Put it out in front for Elias Pedersen. And Pedersen has himself a multi-point performance as well. First a turnover by the Knights and a goal. It is scored by Pedersen. A giveaway by the Knights. Martinez thought he had an opening to just rifle it up the left boards, but it was knocked down. And Vancouver scores eight seconds into the power play. 5-1 Canucks. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Thursday. Cofield and Company, Adam Candy is the company. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota studios. You heard it. Silver Sevens is the spot. Busy day with uh, the Masters wrapping up on a Thursday. You heard all the hockey highlights. We'll get to VGK and the disaster that was last night. At the Fortress, a lot more NFL as we'll take a look in our path to the draft at what the Packers are going to do. What's up, Candy? You want a T-shirt? Yeah, let's get him a T-shirt. All right, we're back here, Silver Sevens. Some of our listeners coming up. We roll out here on a Thursday. Adam Candy is with us. All right, Candy, so what would you see out of Tiger Woods today? I saw very – very much more than I would have expected for a guy who nearly lost a leg about a year ago. Um, saw Tiger Woods be competitive. Do I see Tiger Woods be anything close to dominant to the Tiger Woods that you know we've seen in the past? No, not at all. But it's remarkable that he did what he did given the, the circumstances. I just I am blown away by the universal folk hero status that we've gone back to here. Uh, with Tiger. It's almost like we're back to the very beginning in the arc of Tiger. Like 17-year-old Tiger is back in people's eyes here as they just kind of cheer for him to to be anything like they remember him from the past. Like we're all trying to grab that piece of our youth is what it feels like uh, as Tiger comes back and tries to keep within a few shots of the lead at the Masters. We're all trying to grab a piece of year one, two, and three with the Vegas Golden Knights, but it ain't happening. I mean, last night, key spot, I feel like the Knights had been walking a tightrope against some of these teams that are less than them, if you even want to say that, and escaping. And it's funny, yesterday we started talking about the fact, I didn't, but we started talking about the fact that, well, they have some easy games coming up. So, you know, just get get the job done here, and then you got the tough games after that. Like, they can't even get the job done in these supposedly easy games. And not only did they lose, but, I mean, it was just just a bad effort across the board. What the hell happened? So, Cofield, with the five-game winning streak that the Golden Knights had, I wanted to see how the fans would react. I wanted to be in the building, kind of feel the energy. So I was out there last night at VGK. They get the early goal from Eichel, and you could feel that place ready to explode. Like, that place was ready to be like, let's go. Let's do this. We're back in the hunt. This is the Golden Knights team we wanted to see. Eichel is exciting. Like, there's a fan base there that still wants to feel passionately about this team. And then they received... 50 consecutive minutes of crap hockey. And I mean horrible, crap, uninspired 
hockey. The Golden Knights played ultimately one of their worst games of the year, and I'm not going to say, oh, in the biggest spot, because they've put themselves in a situation where every spot right now is big. But to see that flat of a showing after a couple of days off was shocking, and you could feel in the building by the by the second intermission when they were down 4-1. to one, I thought there was going to be booing. Instead, it was just dead silence going into the break. We just weren't very good. In this league, most nights you get what you deserve. And uh, I think we've been on the right end of uh, execution and effort a lot of nights lately, and we've gotten rewarded for that. And we were on the wrong end of both those things tonight. What do you think, Andy? What Pete DeBoer's saying there? I don't know that Pete DeBoer's right about execution. I think he's right about effort. You've seen this team with, with improved effort. Uh, beyond the slow starts that we saw at the beginning of this win streak. But I think you also saw the Golden Knights get really, really lucky up in Vancouver to escape that game that they should have been in control of with an overtime victory. And now, last night, though, he's absolutely right. There was no execution, and the effort especially was lacking. Now you got the uh, Coyotes coming up on Saturday. That's not a given. It should be, but it's not. We've seen them have trouble against the Coyotes. And then from there, I mean... You have to win these games, but the schedule becomes a freaking bear at the Canucks, at the Flames, at the Oilers. So they're up against it. They've cut down their margin for error. And, again, the problem we've been repeating it over and over again is the other teams are battling for the most part uh, in and around them for the wild card or in the division have actually played less games than the Knights have. So you're just going to sit there and watch and hope that other teams can help you out uh, because when they've had control of their destiny, the Knights haven't gotten it done. And, Last night was just awful, and DeBoer said it. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, they, they were really good. We, we were awful. I can't put this any other way. We were awful net front. We were awful on breakouts. We were awful <laughs> everywhere. I, I can't tell you it was one thing. We, we were no good. So we're going we're gonna to flush it and move on and get ready for Saturday. So what are we looking at by the numbers, Candy? Are we down to uh, the night's down to 35, you know, 38% chance of making it? Where, where are we now? I know yesterday going into the game they were, I don't know, 55, 56, 57%. Did that kill them last night? Uh, first, to go back to what Pete DeBoer said right there, look, you can try to flush it, and I understand what he's saying, but the flip side of that is that this was such a bad showing for the Golden Knights that you have to dig out of this hole really fast. They're now down to 31.6% to make the playoffs. Dallas is up to 85%, the Kings at 93 Edmonton at 95 You're looking at the Knights to get to 97 points, which our friends over at Sinbin think is about the cutoff for where you're going to have to get to. The Knights having to play essentially getting four out of every five points right now, uh, playing 800 hockey the rest of the way. So Pete DeBoer can say he wants to flush it. He was being asked there by a couple of beat reporters, essentially like, well, did you like how, you know, did you, did you worry about how your team was breaking out of the zone? Did you worry about how they're clearing the front of the net? And Pete DeBoer was kind of throwing his hands up saying, I just told you we sucked at everything. Like, I can't break it down for you any more than that. But it's also a very reasonable question when your team goes from five-game winning streak to suck fest to say <laughs> what exactly went wrong. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on. A lot of big NFL news off 
or away from the field with uh, legal matters and fights all over the place. Xavier Pope is our guy on Thursdays. We bring him in, legal analyst, host of Suit Up News, and we got to get some clarity, some opinion on what's happening in the uh, NFL with all of its battles. Xavier, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? Good, good, good. So uh, now we've got the next step in the Brian Flores against the NFL and several teams lawsuit. Because uh, added to the lawsuit are former Zona head coach Steve Wilkes. Ray Horton's been around forever in the National Football League. He's got some claims uh, going back to the Titans head coaching opening in 2016. And now there's been teams added to the mix with the uh, the Titans and the Cardinals on the original list, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Giants, the Texans. So, first of all, what do you make about others joining forces with Flores and claiming that, hey, the NFL has a screwed-up process when hiring? <laughs> well, there are many more African-American potential candidates for jobs, whether it's special assistance coaching, assistant coaching, head coaching, uh, scouting, uh, that that is there to be added. And remember that this is a proposed class um, by Brian Flores in his suit, which consists of a certain number that a judge would have to approve for a class. Now, there isn't a specific number that must be approved, but it's a totality of various factors that a judge would take into consideration while considering what the class is going to be in getting that approved. So it's a step in the, in the right direction. Is it enough for a judge to approve uh, Brian Flores as a class with with just these other individuals added? No, it is not. So, Xavier, I have a question that is legal-based, and then I have a question that is more perception based. So part of the uh, part of the situation with Ray Horton goes uh, to the Mike Malarkey story that broke today and really didn't break today. It was on a podcast from forever ago. But Mike Malarkey said that in 2016, he was told by Titans ownership that he was going to be the head coach prior to any of the Rooney Rule interviews <laughs> being done, which seems to track with the idea of sham interviews to satisfy the Rooney Rule that we've heard from Brian Flores and elsewhere. So I'm right. curious from the legal perspective you know, what weight that carries. But from a perception perspective, Xavier, I'm curious what perception you personally think it carries that now we have a white head coach getting involved in this. I think, I think that everyone who has a brain knows this is an issue. <laughs> and I think that it shouldn't be only African-American coaches, African-American analysts, African-American commentator, African-American journalists that are – screaming from the top of their lungs and saying that there is a systemic uh, race issue in the National Football League. I mean, it, and it shouldn't just be one white guy. I mean, it, there needs to be more voices that step up and speak up over a system, systemic issue that happens in the National Football League. It's, it's just plain as day. Um, and you don't have to be part of the affected group to be a part of the change that takes place. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, let's move on to the commanders. And now... Dan Snyder's team has gotten a stern message, a borderline threat from multiple states that they want to look into the workplace environment, especially when it comes to demeaning people of color and women. Now, again, is this is this just a threat? Is there actually something government officials can do? How worried should Dan Snyder be? Well, it really depends on if Dan Snyder is is, is cooking the books, right? <laughs> uh, and and how many times have I been on this show and talked about this issue with Dan Snyder getting the debt exemption from the National Football League, Steve? Yep. <laughs> how many time. weeks did I come on here and tell? 
I talked about this ad infinitum, and it's finally getting the attention that it deserves. What the hell did Dan Snyder do with his books with the Washington Commanders that may may run afoul of the law, which put him in, in the clearly in the crosshairs of our Congress? Uh, I, 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 I'm, it's amazing that this hasn't been uncovered, but we also may find out other portions of how the Commanders is doing his business that the NFL flat out didn't want us all to know. And I, I've been saying this for so long that there's so much stuff under that tip of the iceberg that it, it it may it may just expose the National Football League and particularly expose this team and expose its most toxic city owner currently in Dan Snyder. On Suit Up News, I saw that you brought up uh, going back to uh, issues with Flores and hiring practices. You brought up the example of Jerry Richardson, who, you know, in the end, I mean, he lost his team, but. Did he really lose out? And each time one of these owners gets in trouble, it doesn't seem like there's any penalty. And in fact, the, the value of their team just keeps going up and up and up. Well, the NFL is the king, right? Uh, it, NFL values have skyrocketed. Yes, Jerry Richardson had uh, issues in terms of workplace culture, was it a, a sexual, sex-based sex nature and gender, as well as some, a racial slur directed at an African-American scout. Well, after that, Jerry Richardson... Uh, sold his franchise, and that wasn't sold to African-American ownership group, still part of the good old boys club. Well, since that time, the Carolina Panthers have increased in value $700 million. And I'm positive on Suit Up that it's the good old boys club, mostly white owners. This is not only just about coaching and general managers. This is about locking out black wealth. $700 million that an ownership group doesn't get um, currently, the NFL, as a response to the Brian Flores suit, now has formed this diversity committee. How, why wouldn't they have this in place already to be able to identify groups that will buy teams, that will make sure there is diverse equity, a significant part of that team? This shouldn't, it shouldn't take a lawsuit for the NFL to do its job, to be, to be, to be a more inclusive league when 70% of the league consists of black players. Xavier Pope. Attorney, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor right here on ESPN Las Vegas at Cofield and Company. So just give me your general impressions of uh, Kyle Kaepernick popping up at uh, Michigan Spring Practice with Jim Harbaugh. Kudos to Jim Harbaugh, right? Being a former coach when he took that team to the Super Bowl against the Ravens, lost against his brother John Harbaugh, um, the Harbaugh Bowl, and Colin Kaepernick was the Super Bowl quarterback in that game. Uh, and what the, what you do as a coach, it's a job for life. You look after sometimes boys, sometimes young men, older men, and they become part of your life. They become part of a fraternity and a family. So, so to see Jim Harbaugh to look after his player is something to be uh, com- to be celebrated. And it's something that it's a that's a big deal. And it gives him more exposure, Colin Kaepernick, to expose the league that hey, this guy could still throw sling the pill. It's still in great shape. This guy's jacked. And he's showing he still can do it. Kudos to Jim Harbaugh uh, showing off his, his former player. What's the chance he's on an NFL roster going into the season? I've said this long ago that I don't I don't think that Colin Kaepernick ever plays the National Football League. We, I, I wouldn't bet on it. Um, and I wouldn't bet against it. Anything can happen. The NFL uh, you know, coming along when Colin Kaepernick is far past his prime, potentially, and and then 
he gets a chance to play, he doesn't play as well. And there's that silly narrative that, well, hey, he couldn't play. Well, the guy hasn't played in freaking five years, six, seven years now. Um, and since, what, 2017, through his last pass in January of that year? I mean, you're looking at all this time that has passed. He should have been playing a long time ago. We got was at Nathan Peterson, uh, Peterman, uh, playing in games. He is off to doing other things and very important things. Colin Kaepernick has a new book out. Book. Yeah. Uh, I color myself different. Why is this book one of impact? And, and I, I tweeted about this on my Xavier Pro timeline, E-X-A-V-I-R-P-O-P-E, is that Colin Kaepernick, he was an adopt, adopted to a white family as a biracial kid. Uh, he represents two different groups that people feel that, that they don't belong as kids. Biracial kids, they can't decide the identity in terms of black and white, some of the pressures that face them growing up. We saw that Colin in black and white, the special on uh, his movie he had on Netflix with Ava DuVernay, and then him being an adopted kid. I was a foster kid growing up, and you just don't always feel like you fit in. So he covers a lot of ground with a lot of kids that are looking to him and looking up to him. And it's not just about him kneeling. It's about his identity and how he's grown up to be able uh, to be the person he is. That's applicable to anybody, whether they, they are uh, black and white. It could be other types of biracial kids as well. So he represents a, nice, a significant group, and that's why he's selling out now. Xavier, I fit into a big group of baseball fans that's excited about opening day. And I, <laughs> I, and I hear, I hear you are not part of this group that I am part of. No, I mean, I, I, I tweeted this earlier today, and I said that opening day in baseball is the most overrated, overhyped event in, in uh, North American professional sports. The reason why is because NFL is king. They only have a certain amount of games to be able to be played. Kickoff, huge deal in an after football league. In the NBA, you're looking at some teams getting trophies, getting rings, getting their rings, rather, put banners up. So you're seeing that it, what, what what different free agent moves are going to impact the games. Well, no one really cares about hockey in terms of their opening kickoff, uh, their ice off, whatever they want to call it. See, I don't even know what it's called. And But it's the, in Major League Baseball. Hey, we're hyping this up. All right. 162 days later, the team that won on, on this first day isn't really going to matter in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. And then most people are going to see these games in the cold. It's like 50 degrees here. So it's not the height that we all think it is. Still a valuable league, still getting people gambling on the games, but not as a big deal as the NFL or NBA. Xavier Pope is with us. At Xavier Pope up on Twitter. Um, interesting story coming out of the SWAC. Did the women's volleyball coach at Grambling go in and cut the whole team? 19 players. 19 cuts the entire team supposedly has about 13 or 14 other players that are coming in and the uh, the school itself just was really tone deaf response out with the old in with the new some of these players may not necessarily find another scholarship really impacts their lives and their ex their education it's really kind of this is comes right just a month or so after Mark Brow's uh, fiasco uh, with him not even getting any opportunities to coach anywhere and then all of a sudden he gets an opportunity to become an offensive coach and winds up only having the job for four days and him having to lose and then you have this fiasco I don't know what they're doing over at Grambling State University but um, Eddie Robinson's rolling over his grave yeah not good <laughs> not not good um, I saw that you appeared with Dr. Phil what, what's what's going on here 
Yeah, I was out in L.A. taping the new episode of Dr. Phil. It yeah. airs on, on Monday, April 11th. Okay. And I'm talking about Jesse Smollett and Will Smith. A lot of them have been talking about those different issues and what motivates celebrities to do some of these uh, these interesting things and to take these different behaviors, the psychology of it, the legality of it. So I'm joining a couple other experts. And then after they loved it so much, they brought me on Dr. Phil's podcast, Fit in the Blanks. I talked about like, scams and really informative, talking about how people are lured into uh, the common scams, some of the COVID scams, some of the scams with older people taking your information, even some of the scams related to video games and, and some of the, uh, the the meta coins that people use. So it's worth your listen. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts right now um, that you can listen to that. And then on Monday, let's tune in uh, to uh, Dr. Phil talking about Will Smith, the slap heard around the world. Nice. Xavier Pope, attorney, host of Suit Up News and our legal and cultural contributor on Thursdays. We appreciate it. Have a good weekend. You too, guys. Blessings. There he is, Xavier Pope. Um, we'll have an update on Steve Jenkins. I, I know you saw that yesterday, right, Candy? Steve Jenkins, the leading receiver, coming back for UNLV. Uh, last night abruptly announces after four-plus spring practices, three years with the program or four? I have to look it up. Uh, but he's been with the program, you know, going back to Tony Sanchez. Good story. He's developed into a pretty good player. He's thrown his name in the portal. Um, he just tweeted a little while ago that – Grambling actually has reached out to him. Um, for folks who don't know, uh, Noah Bean, who was a, a pretty good tight end, an explosive tight end a couple of years ago before a lot of injuries. Again, that was under Tony Sanchez. Noah Bean's actually on the roster at Grambling now, so we'll see what kind of schools come after Steve Jenkins. And I had a chance to talk to Marcus Arroyo, UNLV's head football coach, today, so we'll get his comments on Steve Jenkins appearing to exit the program via the transfer portal. Enjoy 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Golfers aren't athletes. Is that the conversation? Race car drivers aren't athletes. Jockeys aren't athletes. <laughs> Max, what in the hell? This is a 1985 argument, man. I mean, what are you kidding? You're saying that golfers aren't athletes and that Tiger Woods is not an elite athlete? Get the hell out of here. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. All right, do we have Max Kellerman's response to Ian Fitzsimmons? Not yet. Wait, so they just blasted him? And within the ESPN family, they didn't have him on? It's kind of weak sauce. That happens sometimes. Do we know what Kellerman actually said? Do we have that bite? Let me see. So it was jockeys, golfers, race car drivers. According to Ian Fitzsimmons, that's what Kellerman said. About those guys that they're non-athletes. Do we take the bait here, Candy, or move nope. on? Nope, 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 nope. No, I am not taking this bait. I did not retweet it. I did not quote tweet it. I did not try to dunk on Max because I've already violated what I thought was going to be my rule for this by saying his name. Don't give these clowns the oxygen they're trying to get to breathe by giving them more attention when they say obviously inflammatory crap like this. I don't need to tell you whether Tiger Woods is an athlete or not. Max doesn't either, but he wants some attention on Masters Week. Yay. 
Well, he's doing a talk show. He does he does our morning our national morning show. So he's just giving his opinion. Okay. I don't have to I don't have to amplify it. I, you want me to tell you whether I think Tiger's an athlete or not? I mean, we can have that discussion, I guess. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, come on, man. Come on. Come on. He's he is one of the greatest athletes to ever walk the earth, and if it, what he was doing were not an athletic feat, it would be easily repeatable by any number of people. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah, Kellerman said on um, Woods, well, he said, uh, we don't know if Woods is an elite athlete. Um, I don't think you can demonstrate that just by playing golf. What I know about Tiger is his hand-eye is next level. His will to win is extremely excellent. His mechanics are beautiful, all those kinds of things. I don't know how fast he runs, how high he jumps, all that kind of stuff. You don't know that from playing golf. I don't know what his 40 time is. I actually I think this is a fascinating conversation because I think there are hand-eye athletes, and then I think there are straight-line athletes, like combine athletes. I think hand-eye athletes are real athletes. I don't know... Like I think you, I think you should, you should be able to translate to play a sport. Now, if you go out and run fast, then you're a runner. You're a straight line athlete. To me, an athlete is a hand eye athlete. I can't believe we're getting into parsing this thing. Like, but okay, if we're going to go this sorry, direction, sorry, fine. this is beneath your your topic uh, no. approval bar. Uh, 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 no, I, I, I just I have more respect for Steve Cofield than I do for Max Kellerman. But no, no. here we are. We can, uh, we can move on. But I no, no, no. We, we, we don't we, have to. No, we, no. We've had oh, this discussion. Oh, no, we've no. had this discussion before about who are good athletes, and I actually think it applies very much to what goes on in in combines when you're measuring someone's measurables. Does it mean it translate to the field? I mean, you could have you could have some. You know, toad 310-pound 5'11 guy who can play defensive tackle uh, by all the drills and the numbers. It doesn't look good, but guess what translates on the field versus some uber athlete who may be 6'5 and 285. Then by, All right, so by Max Kellerman's definition, any baseball player can only show their ability by fielding because pitching is not an athletic skill. Pitching is the same as playing golf. You're just yeah. learning how to repeat emotion over and over again, right? Right, right? Apparently it has nothing to do with your leg drive. It has nothing to do with your ability to connect your biomechanics. If you're a hitter, all you do is stand there. You don't run. You don't jump. You're just swinging a bat. It, it, it's insane. It's insane to have this discussion about whether someone like Tiger Woods, who has, <laughs> who has displayed skill that is above anyone else who has ever played the sport that he plays and say, I don't know how fast he runs. I don't know how high he jumps. You know what? Somehow he has managed to become one of the greatest athletes of all time without being able to be a combine athlete. So if we want to break it down into categories, sure. We can break it down into categories of who has what particular athletic skill. But to say, I don't know whether he's a world-class athlete is a straight troll. It's a troll. So go back to boxing and go back to... Oh, I'm sorry, are boxers athletes? Are, of course. Are, 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 of course are, they are. Oh, they're athletes? I didn't realize that. Huh. Boxers are athletes? I've never seen a boxer jump. I've never seen how high he can jump. I've never seen a boxer run the 40 in 4-3. But Max, who made whatever prominence I guess we've decided to give him in the boxing world... <laughs> 
Does, I don't know. Does he think that that's does he think that that's athletic skill? Does he think Tony Reale has skill hosting the show that he couldn't hack it on? I mean, you tell me. Hey, what's going? What, what's going on here? This just went a different direction. What's happening here? By the you way, you wanted to go down this road, buddy. You want me to talk Kellerman? We uh, can talk Kellerman all day long. It's a freaking redemption story for Max <laughs> Kellerman coming back from the depths of losing his job. I don't agree with Max. I think almost everyone we're talking about here are athletes. Um, the hand eye thing is that's my example. So I'm assuming that Tiger Woods, if you uh, asked him to hit a baseball or softball, if you asked him to play ping pong, tennis give me anything else that's kind of a swinging motion he'll be fine and that's an athlete it's how high can tom trans- brady jump yeah i don't know but he's an how athlete fast is 40 yeah. yeah he's an athlete stop it well let's not get into how fast his 40 is that could get ugly we got into that a couple years ago <laughs> turned into turned into the race that never happened that is uh, stuck in the craw of one willie ramirez ever since now that he's got a bad knee i actually challenged him the other day uh, post-surgery to run a 40 and do a squat off so let's go bro Probably not going to happen. He will back out. Ryan McKinnell's still out there. Uh, McKinnell is still out there. I'm sure we can, we can get him all lathered up over this whole thing too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I, I don't. I, I to me, that's um, again. I didn't hear the whole conversation. Maybe we can pull it, but um, I'm guessing that's a little contrarian take just to get people worked up. What Tiger is doing is incredibly athletic. The fact that he's able to play at the highest level and shoot a one under at Augusta. After having his legs pulverized, that's an athlete. Because it's not only it's not only just the physical stuff. There's the mental the mental part of being an athlete in in most sports. To deal with that kind of pressure, to deal with the doubt, you know how hard it's to come it is to come back from an injury like that. I mean, we don't, but I can only imagine. You have a standard that you set, Candy, over the years as a golfer. We were asking a question before, and hey, is this an appearance? Like, hey, I'm back. I made it back. And then, you know, he limps around the course and sucks. And when we talked to one of the uh, golf experts on Monday, a guy, Bob Harrig from SI.com, he's like, yeah, I don't think that's in Tiger's nature. He ain't coming back to make an appearance. Like, he's coming back because he thinks he can compete on this level. Yeah, uh, Bob Harrig knows the sport as well as anybody, and, and Tiger Woods does not have that in him. Tiger Woods does not have ceremonial starter in him for another 30 years like yeah eventually he'll be out there on the first tee in the mist of thursday morning hitting that 100 yard drive but that ain't tiger woods now and it's not going to be for a very long time join the conversation on twitter at espn las vegas i'm having a blast right now it's uh the third defense that i've learned since i've been here um but you know it's fun to learn and i think the guys are handling it pretty well got a lot of young guys a lot of new guys but i think overall we're absorbing it pretty well and uh, executing pretty well, but I mean that's obviously not the goal. Got still got to refine a lot of things, but um, I think we're uh, heading in the right direction. Now back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. That was the voice of UNLV Rebels linebacker Kyle Beaudry. We'll talk more about Beaudry and the uh, Rebels program in just a couple minutes. Some uh, conversations today with Marcus Arroyo that we'll get to in about 20 minutes. But let's talk a little uh, Rebels overall, athletics overall. The athletics director, Eric Harper, is on the horn with Steve and Adam. How are you? What's going on, guys? How are you guys doing today? 
I'm good. I'm good. We're busy. I can imagine you are slammed. There's a lot going on right now around UNLV Athletics. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, and we're, we're trying to keep them connected so that uh, we can make sure the student-athlete experience is exactly what, uh, what they want. So let's talk about some uh, ticket initiatives, and we'll get to how some of the sports are performing, and I want to ask you later on about the transfer portal in general. But let's start out with the news out last week, and I know you were working on this towards the end of the uh, Running Rebel season, but uh, you guys wanted to uh, fix things in terms of attendance. You've rolled out some pretty aggressive ticket plans for the Thomas and Mac. Uh, yes, we did, Steve. Uh, we, you know, we've been uh, doing a lot of listening over the course of the season, uh, and some of it, you know, came up in in a few years past as well. But uh, we wanted to provide uh, a more friendly uh, value family-friendly value, uh, a lot more affordability uh, affordability for uh, our fans uh, that have been loyal as well as those that uh, have dropped their season tickets. But uh, uh, lo and behold, uh, in a short period of time, we've, we've sold over 100 new season tickets for, uh, for next year. So what was the feedback? What, what was most of the feedback around? Aside from value, what did people tell you about running Rebel basketball? You know, obviously – they haven't seen a success that they would much rather see, but at the same time, you know, okay, the value of what they were seeing didn't match up for what they were paying. So they basically, you know, the the feedback was, you know, why did you drop price? Uh, obviously, we still, we're coming off of COVID, uh, and not, we're not done with COVID. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, a lot of uh, the you know, a lot of the economy has changed, um, and people are, are looking. You know, a lot of people are out of out of work um, from their previous uh, jobs. So, you know, we just listened and said, "Hey, let's let's do something that makes sense, uh, but still at the same time make sure we're generating enough revenue to take care of our student athletes' uh, experience." And you've been around Vegas for a long time. We're talking to Eric Harper, the AD at UNLV. I mean, we all have to admit, for UNLV, the the market has changed too. There's a lot more competition for the sporting dollars. There is a ton more competition than than in the past, and you know we we are the most affordable sporting option, uh, you know, in the city, uh, with a campus that obviously stares over at the strip, and I can see the uh, Allegiant Stadium from my office. Uh, so the the sports area uh, has gotten crowded uh, here in Las Vegas, and we want to. Uh, make sure that we're getting our part, but not just by lowering ticket prices, but also performing on the court. And Coach Kruger did a heck of a job this year uh, of leading our our running rebel program uh, to 18 wins uh, and you know and 10 Mountain West wins. So you know I think we're headed in a, and definitely headed in the right direction with Coach Kruger uh, and his passion for the program, and also with uh, with Coach LaRock as well. But you know we've got some uh, a lot of momentum on Coach LaRock with her. Uh, season tickets as well for for Lady Rebel basketball. So, you know, from the basketball perspective and ticket pricing, uh, I think we're doing pretty good right now. Yeah, let's talk about what the ladies accomplished. What do you think? I mean, hell of a turnaround in two years and then leading in the fourth quarter on the road in the NCAA tournament against Arizona? Yeah, that was was pretty amazing. Uh, The fight uh, of those young women is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, and to be able to to have Mark Davis down there watching the game uh, was pretty special as well. Uh, he's obviously a fan of uh, of women's basketball, uh, but you know, Coach LaRock and and what she's done, her staff, 
and having three starters on the court from Las Vegas as well uh, just shows you she's recruiting Las Vegas uh, and, and she's a Las Vegan, so it's it's an opportunity uh, that's going to be really, really good for UNLV, uh, Lady Rebel Basketball, and looking forward to Lenny Rock continuing to lead our program. Eric, going back to what you were talking about with balancing affordability and uh, needing to still generate revenue to run the department and have a great student-athlete experience, how do you manage that not only with basketball but with football as well? Because there, there was obviously a lot of talk about the ability for uh, UNLV's partnership with Legion Stadium to hopefully allow the football program to be able to assist in generating more of that revenue for UNLV athletics. Uh, absolutely. We, we, we have a great relationship uh, with, uh, with the Legion and, and, and the Raiders as well. Um, to be able to continue to generate uh, the revenue, obviously the pricing structure went up from moving from Sam Boyd Stadium to Legion Stadium. Uh, but also, it's 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 a it's incumbent upon us uh, to make sure that we're promoting properly. Uh, we, we're we're taking advantage of the opportunity to have uh, you know special promotions similar to what we did in basketball this year, uh, the latter part of the season. But just making sure we're we're listening as well. I mean, we had several people in our VVIP area that uh, signed multi-year uh, agreements for <clears throat> premium seating. Uh, as well as in suites, so uh, and we we will have a a, a very uh, aggressive uh, sales team uh, that uh, we're we're opening up a little bit more opportunity for those salespeople that we have on on commissions to to be able to reach out and and build more relationships B two B business to business and uh, a lot of group ticket sales as well. So we're going to be doing some different things, uh, but but more importantly, being more aggressive. Uh, in the space uh, to get people out to Allegiant Stadium. And, and to go with what you talked about with doing more, you know, different types of promotion and so on, it's not just for the community at large, it's for the students of UNLV as well. I thought your team was pretty creative in doing some things that, you know, essentially telling students if you show up to, you know, this stretch of games, you know, you're, you're going to be rewarded with, uh, with certain prizes and so on. You'll be put into sweepstakes and, and, and on like that. How are you factoring in getting more students out to these games as well? Uh, you know, the model we use this year is not necessarily one that's overly uh, sustainable, but at the same time, our, our great partnership with Learfield obviously gives us an opportunity to do some special things uh, with sponsorships. So, you know, one of the things in, in one of my previous institutions in getting students more engaged is making sure the students know uh, the student-athletes that are competing on the field and on the court. Because the more that they can have a personal relationship, the more uh, apt that they will, you know, potentially go to the game. And students, uh, games are free for them. So uh, to more apt. And we had a bus uh, system uh, through RTC that, that went right by the stadium, uh, poached up here right on off of campus <clears throat> to get to uh, Allegiant Stadium. And it's just... You know, taking an opportunity to to make sure that everybody understands it and hears that, and we'll uh, we'll be putting together over the next uh, couple of months a full scale marketing plan uh, that has a consistent and constant reach out to students uh, as well as the uh, community. And we want to be a community based. We are a community based institution, and we want to make sure that everybody hears and understands and knows how important they are uh, to our. Uh, rebel student athletes 
Uh, back to the uh, changes with the running rebel tickets. So you can get lower bowl season tickets for as low as three hundred and five bucks for the entire season, less dollars a game. Upstairs season tickets for as low as ninety five dollars, six dollars a game. If you had upstairs tickets, there's now options that you can move downstairs. So look into that. It's all at unlvtickets.com. Last couple of things with Eric Harper, the AD at UNLV. Uh, we should mention. I think this is a you know favorite of yours in, in terms of the effort. What's going on with the UNLV Football Hall of Fame? Uh, UNLV uh, Athletics Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, well, we've uh, we've selected a class, uh, and uh, the uh, date for the Hall of Fame is m- is May twenty first. Uh, Mark uh, Wellington is our uh, chair of that committee, and we've got a very uh, spectacular class that'll be going in. Uh, ten uh, ten inductees. Uh, we're excited about that. We haven't had a, a class go in since. 2017, so I wanted to bring that back this year, and Mark, again, Mark's done a great job of getting it all prepared, and, and we're going to start uh, uh, making the final touches to, to have a spectacular evening uh, with the inductees, and uh, with that, with the, when that release goes out uh, tomorrow, uh, there'll be a lot of people that'll be very, very happy uh, that certain people have gotten into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that were nominated uh, on multiple occasions. Good, good deal. Uh, let's close on this. Baseball and softball, my God, uh, I think 47 and 16 combined so far, and both have big series coming up this weekend. San Diego State's in town to take on softball, and then baseball's going against Reno, right? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Coach Stolte's done uh, one heck of a job this year. Uh, in conference, we're 11 and 1, 29, 20 and 9 overall. Got. Uh, uh, UNR coming in uh, this weekend, uh, three games set, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, at the Earl. And then Coach Fox, who has done, a, once again, a fabulous job with the Lady Rebel softball program. Currently 5-1, 27-7 overall. Just last week, swept number 25, Boise State. They play San Diego State this weekend, who is now ranked number 25. So uh, she's fired up to have the opportunity to um, knock out both uh, – both number 25 ranked teams within our own conference uh, in consecutive weeks. So excited about what both uh, those young coaches are doing and excited about what the student athletes are doing because uh, Mia Trejo is uh, doing an internship here in our office. And uh, I, what I really like uh, is to be able to talk to her about, about the game. Uh, when she comes in, I asked her the other day, I said, uh, take it easy on the scoreboard. You keep hitting the scoreboard with home runs. How about hit it over the scoreboard? So she's fired up to uh, to deliver and hit it over the scoreboard versus into the scoreboard. <laughs> so uh, she's going to make me uh, purchase a new scoreboard. I think that's what she's trying to do. So, um, and I if she if she knocks it down with the home run, I'd be very happy to go purchase <laughs> yeah. a new scoreboard just just because of that. Get the funding for that quickly, uh, Eric. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll I'll say congrats on listening to the fans and you know making some changes at the Thomas and Mac to make it more affordable for the Vegas community. All right, thank you, Steve. Appreciate you guys. There he is, Eric Harper, the AD at UNLV. We'll come back with some football updates. They did have a a key player going to the transfer portal yesterday from the wide receiver group. So we'll hear from Marcus Arroyo in less than ten minutes on that. Sign up for an A-Play card and unlock some great food specials at the Sterling Spoon Cafe at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. 